0: After several months of cooling house prices, it appears they're rebounding. I
1: sunk every nickel I had in the world in this house! And you'll get it all back!
2: I told you that!
0: One of the city's top real estate analysts says he's never seen home prices this high for some of the city's neighborhoods. Up until three years ago, I was a regular old real estate agent. Putting people in homes, speculating on property, that was my job. Considering the cost differential between one radio spot and one television spot... We found these results quite intriguing. You don't seem to realize what business you're in. You're not in the
2: burger business. You're in the real estate business. Put that coffee down.
0: Welcome to Come List Me, the human interest podcast with a specialty in real estate marketing. Here's your host, Dave Sturgeon. Well, hey, thank you for joining us for another episode of Come List Me. Sturge here, broadcasting from our Canadian studios overlooking the Atlantic Ocean on the shores
2: of beautiful Bonavista Bay in Newfoundland. The Isle of Newfoundland, there lived a sailor boy. And I'm Tim Good. My friends call me full-time, and I'm broadcasting from my camp studio in northern Saskatchewan on the edge of Canada's boreal forest. So
0: what's going on in Saskatchewan? And, and I wanted to ask you that: is, is it Saskatchewan or Saskatchewan?
2: See, here's the here's the sneaky little thing that locals in Saskatchewan do is they don't say Saskatchewan; it's more of a Saskatchewan. Right. And you can always tell somebody who's not from here, and that would be most of everywhere else in the world, by how they say Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan.
0: Yeah. It's like, how do you say the province where I live? In the summer. Um,
2: Newfoundland. Newfoundland, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, you re- you look at the word and most people say Newfoundland, yeah. right? Or and,
2: and, and, I, and I don't know if you would remember, but many years ago when I first started working for you, I uh, very uh, incorrectly was very sort of Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
2: and I took uh, you to task for that? Uh, you very much did. And... I I think being a uh, just barely in his 20s young person, you know, almost (laughs) tried to like... Defend that I was right. <laughs> right.
0: Well, and, and the, the origins of the word, if you look at the history of John Cabot arriving in Bonavista Bay in 1497, he had been commissioned by England from Italy as a Genovesian to set off in search of newfound lands. Ah, yes. Mm, so it would make sense to think it's newfound land. The locals here will take you to task if you don't say Newfoundland. And they'll say, it's like, think about Disneyland or Understand or
2: yeah. Newfoundland. Yeah, no, I mean, it totally makes sense. It just was one of those things that, you know, as often, maybe if you've only read something, you get, you know, the way to say it wrong in your head. And uh, I mean, I am a product of Canadian school system, so I should probably know how to say sure. it correctly. But I just do remember that interaction that we had when I... <laughs> Completely botched it. <laughs> and tried to defend yourself. Well, okay. So, what is what's
0: going on in Saskatchewan?
2: Well, I know probably whenever somebody's listening to this, it'll be uh, a thing of the past. But the the Western provinces have just had a massive heat wave. So, you know, um, for uh, you'll have to do some uh, American uh, Fahrenheit conversion here. But I mean, we've been sort of sitting in the high thirties, uh, almost forty degrees, for a number almost a week and a half, wow. which is very rare for Northern Canada, right?
0: So you're through that? Is it cooling down a bit?
2: Yeah, we actually had a big storm come through, which is pretty normal. And it's cooled down, fire bands and things like that, that uh, become a big factor for us here in the forested area are just about ready to lift. I know they haven't been lifted, but we got a significant amount of rain. So those will come off pretty quick. Good. And camps going well? Uh, Yeah.
0: Bookings, people coming out or what's the status of that?
2: Yeah. So, um, and because of COVID and stuff sort of, we're a little slow getting up to speed. Um, but yeah, uh, as of, uh, this coming weekend, we will be up to full speed, um, doing a bit more of sort of family type stuff, um, where we open it up for families to come because of COVID restrictions, but then, uh, we're going to be doing kids camps like normal, uh, in August. So let's see this rebound from what we've sort of lived through in the last year and a half. Good. Well, here in Newfoundland, there is a thing called the family
0: fishery. So you just can't go cod fishing whenever you want, whether you live here or whether you're a visitor. But as of the 3rd of July, it was the first the Saturday after Canada Day, the Newfoundland fishery opened up. Okay, And that allowed anybody here, so people who live here full-time or if you're a tourist or visiting in Newfoundland to catch five cod fish per day in a boat of two or three people. Each person can catch five fish a day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every week. Right. So we're still in the process of renovating one of our homes here. And Coco and I were actually putting the planks on the bridge, which uh, most people call a deck. But we were planking the bridge and didn't have a chance to go fishing. But to tell you about Newfoundlanders, we had three different families drop off filleted codfish for us. And if you know the size of codfish, two fillets, one fish, two fillets. We can't finish one fillet off a of codfish. And here we had six full fillets dropped off, hand delivered. So Coco made that up yesterday with, oh my goodness, it was delicious, scrunchions. You know what scrunchions are? Uh, I don't think I do, no. If you were to go into the store to buy scrunchions, you'd either say, can I buy scrunchions or do you have fat back pork? Oh, Okay. <laughs> And it is already dissected down into little cubes, and you fry it until it gets crispy. And it's salt pork fat, so you have the delicious taste of bacon, right, mixed with fried fish. Fish that's fried in butter and potatoes, so that was unbelievable. Had leftovers today. Fantastic. Well,
2: shoot, you've got me hungry already. We should just forget this whole real estate (laughs) marketing, and you just go into tourism for Newfoundland. For Newfoundland. Well, great to
0: talk to you. Yeah. Good to, good to have you with us. Uh, I had a great question from, speaking of real estate, I had a great question from a husband and wife realtor team in Houston this week. Jake and Morgan started in real estate about a year and a half ago and are seeing consistent growth. Not quite financially ready to sustain a long-term radio influencer marketing strategy yet, but they've done well growing the business, mainly through referrals, past clients. So their question was, between now and when we do have the financial means to turn radio on, what is the best low or no-cost marketing tool we can implement right now to get more listings from new customers? And so the advice I shared with them was what I've learned over the years from the best agents out there and the best coaches, and that's to just simply do good old-fashioned outbound calling, and that's the recommendation. I recommend that you set aside at least an hour a day as an agent to call Fisbos expired listings, but more importantly, homeowners who live in neighborhoods where you've recently sold a home. So that would be like circle prospecting because those people... Like If you go back, FISBOs, that's a for sale by owner or expired is an expired listing. FISBOs, especially if you as an agent are calling a FISBO to try and get their business, it's confrontational from the beginning because the person who's decided to sell their own home kind of sees you as a competitor. In your world, you're thinking I can reach out and help them to see that the way they're doing things to get their home sold isn't probably going to give them an optimized situation where they get the most money, get their home sold quickly. (laughs) But it's still difficult. It's an uphill climb. Same with the expires because they're hearing from so many different realtors who are calling them. However, if you call around in a neighborhood where you've recently sold a home, you know that the people who live around there are already wondering how much it's sold for. The home that sold us in their neighborhood, they see a sold sign now on the for sale sign. And of course, they're wondering how much is sold for because that would have an impact on their own home, the value of the home that they're currently living in in that neighborhood. They're wondering how much it's sold for, how the sale. Selling price compared to the asking price, how long it took to sell, all those things. So, prospects living in the vicinity of a recently sold home are curious about those details and will have a higher likelihood, or you'll have a higher likelihood, of keeping them on the phone and ultimately arranging a meeting for you to go out and talk to them about selling their home. So, it doesn't cost you anything. Uh hour of your time every day get you talking to people always say if you can't get a customer off the fence then get them on the phone and share testimonials specific details about experiences that you've been a part of with past clients those specific details really build trust in the heart and mind of the home seller the new customer and talk not only about how much you sold the home for or how quickly it sold, but how that experience positively impacted the lives of those home sellers. Because those details are the ones that will resonate with a homeowner who you're talking to on the phone doing your outbound calling. And those details are the ones that will resonate with the homeowner you're talking to on the phone. And that's what will move them to want to meet with you.
2: And hey, if you'd like to know more about outbound calling, go to radiotvagents.com and then the join page open Dave's calendar link and schedule a call or a Zoom at a time that's convenient for you. Absolutely.
0: And I look forward to talking to you. All right, full-time, we're going to play the final part of my conversation with David Tam from Cast Services. If you missed the last episode, I would certainly go back and listen to episode five. That was part one of our conversation. And this now is part two of Optimizing How You Capture and Convert Seller Leads. One of the best differentiators, too, for the people who listen to this podcast, the agents who adopt radio, is to be able to identify yourself very quickly above the fold with either a station logo or a link to a spot or a picture of you with the endorser, the referral on steroids, that radio personality who's driving people there. Now that end consumer is Mm -hmm. going to arrive at the site and breathe that lovely sigh of relief. (sighs) Oh, I found the right guy. I found Yes, This is you two's B-side to that. I have. (laughs) found
1: what I'm looking for. That's exactly right. That's actually one of the questions that we ask when we perform a web audit. Now, let me be very clear. When we're doing a web audit, we have full-time technicians. We have data science PhDs. We've got tech company founders that are looking at a website and a digital presence under a microscope compared to industry best practices and standards with a proven track record of success. And so we are looking at this like we can give you recommendations that will absolutely move the needle. And one of those questions is, if you are running radio advertisements, do you have a logo of the station or the endorser somewhere on your page? If, if it's above the fold, even better. And I'm not saying you have that logo has to dominate the entire hero section, but have it there so it cues that light bulb. Oh, I remember hearing about them when I was purchasing whatever at whatever, or I was in the car, wherever you're going to hear that radio message, because it's ubiquitous. You're absolutely right, Dave. When you're looking at your website, throw what you assume out the window, because that's where a lot of mistakes are made in the digital space is someone told me this five years ago because it worked for them. Sorry, that doesn't cut it today. You need to look off of recent empirical evidence and research of what is working and what is not and why. And if somebody is trying to convince you, oh, you just need a different CRM or you just need a different platform because it's going to be a different next shiny object with a buyer-focused website that is the same as every other CRM on the planet, you should probably think for a moment and walk the other direction. And I'm not saying, listen, we all need CRMs. They are vital tools for the real estate process, for lead nurture, for a lot of different reasons. But having a storefront that meets your consumer where they are with all of the items required to convert traffic into leads is the way of the future. And the latest statistic from NAR is by next year, a third of the current real estate professionals will not be in real estate anymore. Why is that? There is a distillation and consolidation in this space right now, and it's happening to us right now. The People that are adopting and are nimble enough to change with consumer behavior dynamics are the ones that are making a killing. And by the way, there are many, many, many large and small teams that are making a killing right now. Let's talk for a moment on feedback cultivation. That's a fancy way of saying how to get more reviews. There is a science to this. There's a strategy to this. What it is not is after somebody has saved up their entire life to do business with you and make the largest purchase or largest transaction after selling their home with you, is asking them for a review like they bought a pair of tube socks on Amazon it's a slap in the face, it's degrading. So honor your client and ask them for feedback. But there's a little bit of a strategy to this. Marketing is the intersection of human psychology and business acumen and expertise. And so we have to use a little bit of human behavior when we start to tease out those points of maximum excitement. So what we're gonna do here is talk about the listing transaction. There are five, maybe 10, probably more than that, points of maximum potential excitement during that transaction. Home first gets listed, they can find it on Zillow, They get the first offer, even if it's not the offer. They get the offer. They're at the closing table. They're moved in. A uh, 30-day retrospective. Kids are in the new school. Everybody's happy. You're sipping on a glass of wine. At every point of maximum excitement, you have the ability to just ask for feedback. Dave, I know we just got your home listed. It may not be the offer that we get today, but let's cross our fingers and hope we do. Is there anything else we could have done better for you and your family? And just let them
0: talk. You I like the way you frame that. Can you review
1: our services?
0: But to ask somebody, is there anything we could have done better? That's going to get the conversation going.
1: Yeah, it starts the conversation. Also, it does something else. When somebody gives their honest feedback... Human psychology dictates they are more apt, more capable, and more willing to write down that feedback, put their name to that feedback, and share that feedback. And that's just marketing 101. You want to get people when they're amped up and they're excited because they're going to share that joyous activity of how much money they now have in their bank account because you helped them get there. So when they give that feedback, listen, internalize it. If it was good, that's when you want to capture the review. Great. That is so good to hear, Dave. You know, we're trying to get some reviews on Google. Is there any way that, and then pause. Before you send them somewhere, you need to do some research. Google yourself, Zillow yourself, Facebook yourself, next door yourself, Yelp yourself and figure out where your reviews are and where they're not and stop putting all of your eggs in the Zillow basket and newsflash, they're not your friend. Just, um, and so what we do there is you can then push them over to the headers and footers of your email, your business cards, your closing paperwork, all can have links to that premeditated destination where we want to push that review. And then if it so happens to be negative feedback, you know what, that transaction paperwork thing was a kind of a pain in the butt and great, that makes you better as a real estate professional. It's always good. And then you can involve them in a private Facebook group of past clients and raving fans, insider information, new listings when they come on the market. You can come in here and ask questions, give away movie tickets every quarter, whatever that looks like. It becomes its own self-licking ice cream cone. It generates you more reviews, and it gets you more money. That's what we like.
0: And it's called Feedback Cultivation.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. That'll be the title of the book, Feedback Cultivation in the Real Estate Space by Dave Tam. Looking forward to it. Yeah, probably just another 10 years of copywriting. <laughs>
0: Did you also want to talk about return on investment?
1: Yeah, I, let's. that's a great point. Let's Let's explain the ROI equation of a website. And we're going to nerd out a little bit here. So if you hate math, go take a potty break. But this is what's going to make you money. So better pay attention. When we're talking about the return on investment equation for a website, we look at organic traffic, not paid traffic, because when you're looking at paid traffic, excuse all the numbers, Quality of lead from paid traffic often is far less than the quality of lead for organic traffic because of how they found you in the consumer journey that led to the acquisition of their personal information to lead to a transaction. So the numbers we need to look at are how many people are coming to your website. There are all kinds of tools off the shelf that can tell you this. You could Google it. Uh, We use SEMrush for website performance. We use GT Metrics and Google Developer Tools. It was like five others. And so let's just say, for instance, you've got a thousand people. That's a fairly attainable number in the real estate space to have a 1,000 people organically coming to your website on their own search behavior every 30 days. There are clients we work with that have a 100 times that, more than a 100 times that. So let's break those numbers down. If we have a website that loads in under 2.5 seconds, it's got a value proposition call to action above the fold that differentiates the real estate professional, it's got a lead form, it's got a clickable phone number above the fold, it's just a sexy site. It will convert typically between 0.5 and 2.5% as high as 6 to 10 percent. I was auditing a site yesterday, it's converting at 6.24%. That's really, really good. So Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If I've got a thousand people coming in my door and I'm converting 1% of those into leads, how many leads do I have per month? A hundred. Ten. So, okay, ask me again. <laughs> that stumped you. <laughs> so, I've got a, I've got a thousand people coming to my site. I'm capturing one percent of those. So, I've got ten leads. That are coming to me every single month, asking for help, giving me their lead information, begging that they call me back. Typically, we can convert those people. I call them door knockers because they are literally knocking on your door asking for help to list their home. We can typically convert those between 10% and 40% from lead to transaction on a rolling 30-day basis after nurture has been accomplished what that tells us is if I've got 10 people coming to me every single month, I can turn between one and four of those into transactions every single month. You're in California, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's your average price point out there?
0: Well, down in Palm Springs, it's close to 500,000 now. Up here in the high desert, it's closer to three. And if you head over to LA or San Diego, you're getting over a million.
1: Okay. Well, too rich for my blood. I, I could probably afford a cardboard box out there. So what we'll do, <laughs> let's just call it 500. Okay. That's probably pretty high for your average listener but that's okay the numbers are flexible and in fact that they are scalable and so we've got a half a million dollar price point if we're doing three percent on one side it's fifteen thousand dollars after taxes and all expenses maybe we take home eight maybe nine k if that's the case then my website if i am converting it between 0.5 and 2.5 percent and i'm converting those leads between 10 and 40 percent my website should be making me about fifteen thousand dollars every single month from 1000 visitors. That is the ROI equation. You take your organic traffic times your conversion rate of your website which gives you your lead flow times your conversion from lead to actual transaction, which you better know these numbers like you know your kids names because it's what's going to pay for their college if they're not already there. That allows you to have an ROI figure of okay, well I can spend 2 grand or 4 grand or 10 grand or whatever the number is on your website and still be ROI positive to the tune of 5 to 1 all the way up to we've seen 12 to 1 ROI on organic traffic. Better than any paid lead source in the market today. That was a mouthful. So,
0: <laughs> Well, and, and it makes sense because attention spans are short. If you get someone's attention, you got to be able to close them. And a, a website that forces them to go hunting all over to figure out how to reach you to have you come and list their home for sale. Yeah, you're going to have your success at converting those web visits into appointments is commensurate with how much the website gives the viewer, gives the searcher what they're looking for.
1: Totally agree. So one last piece on that. Neil Patel has a really nice research article on this about lead form fields and how they impact conversion rates. So what I mean by that is if you go to your website and you're making me go to the very bottom of the site and I've got to fill out six different fields, name, email, phone number, debit card number, favorite food, all that kind of stuff, that's going to decrease your conversion rate by as much as 10 Ten percent per additional field beyond three. So we do find a best practice name, email, phone number, potentially a message or a dropdown if you really need that. But at the end of the day, if they're going to give you their personal information, it's your job to reach out call text email get them on a drip campaign do your job right
0: yeah there are leads that are in terms of buckets there are leads that are truly for nurturing that aren't a high priority right now, that's yeah. fine and you have a system for that what we're talking about are the direct response leads which are like a door knock. they're like somebody calling you up and saying hey i'd like you to come to my house and tell me what it's worth Those direct response leads, you want to be getting back to them in what? I say 30 seconds to three minutes, but what's
1: realistic? Great question. So we also perform CRM audits. So we will look at, and we have the highest converters in the entire country on our roster. The number one, two, and three inside sales agents in the country. This guy, Matt, he set 47 appointments in one week from leads. The guy's a machine. So we know what right looks like. We also know what wrong looks like. So what we do is we go through a random sample. Of leads from different lead sources based on how old those leads are and grade them with specific criteria for follow up based on the age of the lead. How you follow up with a lead that is seven days or younger is very different than how you follow up with a lead that's over 18 months old, right? You're not going to be calling it every day. So, for a lead that is coming in, a brand new lead from the internet, whether it's a website or whatever channel it came through, our standard is five minutes. If you can get better than five minutes, that increases conversion metrics. We, we can prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. What's really interesting is the last study that was done on lead follow-up in the country is now over 10 years old. And it wasn't even done in the real estate space. That's where you huge light bulb for us. So we're doing a doctoral paper on this as well, as far as what are the actual standards for lead follow-up. And sometimes, depending on how the lead registered, it's not a phone call first. Sometimes it's a text first, depending on how they engaged you. Sometimes it's a video first. And then what tempo do you use for the calls, the texts, and the emails? But David, you said the exact correct thing. Get on the horn, try and reach them as soon as humanly possible.
0: Especially when you're dealing with sellers who have
1: Googled you and found your site. (laughs) And if you don't call them, what's going to happen? We know this because the data doesn't lie. you are going okay. to, they're going to keep looking. They're going to register on four to six other websites and somebody else is going to capture that business. That's what I call the silver platter technique. If you're not going to follow up on a lead within five minutes and do your job, put them on a safe search, get them in a drip campaign, send them a text message. You are going to take that lead, put it on a silver platter and hand it to your competition. Because when somebody is looking to sell their home, just because they didn't find you doesn't mean that they're going to throw up their hands. Well, guess I'm not selling this year. I couldn't find Bill. Couldn't find Bob. No, they're going to your competition and you just paid for their next company vacation. Congratulations. So get a website that converts the radio traffic leads, gets you the transaction and makes you a lot of money. Pretty hard to top that as a (laughs) statement, but that's cool. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Dave, people have changed over the last year and people's search behavior has changed how they operate in society has changed. And we know radio is one of the things that still meets people in their home, at the gym, in their car, and it's an effective channel. And when coupled with a strong digital presence, it's a one-two combo. It really is. And I want your listeners to understand and ask questions and get engaged and make it a conversation so that you can better serve your clients, you can be more prosperous and create generational wealth for your family. That's what this is all about. And we owe that to Mr. and Mrs. Home Seller out there in America. And Canada. (laughs) And Canada. (laughs) Because we love you.
0: All right. Well, that's David Tam from Cast Services. And uh, as mentioned last week, David goes 100 miles an hour. So if you have questions, if you'd like to have a personal conversation, a lot there to digest. But if you'd like to discuss optimizing your web presence to ensure you're doing the best job possible to convert seller leads, let's set up a call. Time to talk. Just go to RadioTVAgents.com, click on the contact page, and Dave, Tam, and or I would love to provide a free website or CRM audit to help you get things working
2: the way they should. Before we wrap up each episode, we both like to take a minute at the end of the show to give props to one of our favorite podcasts. So Dave, what's yours this episode?
0: You know what? This week, I'm going to switch it up a bit. We received a ton of email after episode five, which was the first episode here in Newfoundland, broadcasting from Newfoundland. And had a ton of email, people wanting to know more, planning vacations to the island. People who've heard about Newfoundland and are intrigued. So I'm going to recommend our favorite TV series. Coco and I love to watch a CBC production called Land and Sea. uh, And... I would also recommend the older episodes from back in the 80s and 90s to get started. Those are fantastic to give you a slice of history. And you'll find those on YouTube, by the way, but that's where I suggest you start if you want to get to know the geography, the fishing culture, the people, the dialect. Uh, CBC series called Land and Sea. And again, you can find those episodes on YouTube. Tim, how about you?
2: Yeah, and, and that sounds really interesting. I have to look that one up. Uh, this week for me, uh, I went with a more standard podcast. Uh, Um, One that I really love is from Harvard Business Review or HBR and their IdeaCast. And it's little short ones just with authors and focusing around ideas. Now, you might say, oh, from a marketing perspective hey, how does that fit in? Uh, I think some of them are just these general sort of uh, get you thinking outside the box uh, about you know business in general, how to manage people. Um, and so, especially if you're sort of in a place where you're starting to have a few people on your staff or you're just trying to think of new ways to look at the, the same old problems maybe, uh, that's, yeah, HBR IdeaCast and just some neat little short ones. They're all like maybe 15, 20 minutes long and just something you really, if you jump in the car, and want a quick podcast, uh, highly recommend it.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'll look forward to listening to that. Uh, I I have just had a a note passed to me. Uh, uh, This is a note that has just been handed to me by my beloved that uh, says, there's no such word as Genovesian. It's Genoese. (laughs) So uh, let me go back and correct that for all of the John Cabot history fans out there. John Cabot was not Genovesian. I'm sure that there's a cheese or some item that you can purchase at a deli that's Genovesian, but he is actually Genoese. John Cabot was Genoese. Right, right. I'm I'm glad you corrected that. We would have gotten letters. All right. Thank you, my love. Appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> here we got the pronunciation in Newfoundland right, but we sprigged up Genovesean pretty bad. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please share with your friends. And we'd love it if you gave us a five-star review. For Coco, Full Time Tim, Destin Avery, and the rest of the team here at Come List Me, I'm Dave Sturgeon. Be kind, be patient, and find joy this day.
2: The podcast, Come List Me, is written by Dave Sturgeon and produced by me, Tim Good, with sound engineering by Destin Avery. The soundtrack for the show was written by Dave Sturgeon, arranged and produced by Michael Peters, with additional music by Jonathan Wilkins and Destin Avery. Rob Reeford is the show's voice of God. Web design and content by Constance Renard Sturgeon. If you have feedback about the show, go to our website, Radio TV Agents, and click on Come List Me. If you have something to say, why not add your voice to the show? We'd love it if you would leave us a voicemail with your questions, comments, or topic suggestions at 760-895-9522. That's 760-895-9522. Make sure on your message to give us permission to use your voice on the show. Come Listen to Me is heard on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and is a production of Radio TV Agents, LLC.